Hey, welcome everybody. Today I'm talking with uh, Bless from the Discord community. Bless is someone who toys around with different religious practices and, and thoughts and whatnot. Kind of has labeled themselves uh, Gnostic in some way. And so I'll just let Bless explain it better. How you doing? I'm doing well. I, I, I realize how non-committal everything I've said to you is that, like, the introduction is, um, guess Gnostic in some way? I don't know. Um, I also didn't realize, is your show just actually about religion? I don't know if I thought about that until the Who is Sky Daddy coming up at the beginning. Did, uh, did you hear the intro video come through the Discord? No, I just saw the text. Oh, yeah. Um, so... So I mean, looked at the videos that you the episodes you've done and saw that it was like, oh wow, I guess a lot of people talk about religion on here. Yeah, I need to change the video. So I used to go the channel name used to be Who Is Sky Daddy. Um, that was like the gotcha. TikTok name and all that stuff. But I I changed it for multiple reasons. One of them being because I don't only want to talk about religion. I I do want to expand it to everything like science, politics, you know. So so it's kind of that's why the new name was born. But I still the intro song. You'll have to listen to it later. It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming okay. on. I Yeah. For sure. I can also actually try and describe myself. Um which is like the the other term I was trying to think of like other terms that would work. I gave you like esoteric gnostic and then I would, was thinking about it, I was like maybe that's misleading and then I thought of occult christian because mm. that term was really funny to me to think about. <laughs> And it felt a little less misleading. So I like that one. Um, okay. It, but in general, the idea that sort of like most embodies what I'm doing right now is an idea I encountered called like playful religion is what it was called in a, this manifesto. I've read a bunch of weird religious books for show and tell for fun. So uh, I do yeah. have like this book religion is play it's got design that makes it look like a like a birthday card from your aunt but i do think it's pretty good and it talks a lot about um it has a notion of bordering religions which is the a religion is bordering if it has like a stronger more exclusive um entitlement i guess to meaning making and deciding what should be considered true what isn't true and especially if that's like decided higher up versus lower down or uh by like um like a, a elite clergy or like a average participant um and then so a religion that would not be bordering is one that's a lot more flexible but uh experimental and so in my own <laughs> As I was raised Catholic by oh, parents I was, that were... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I was actually going to 
interrupt and just yeah. say, I, I actually like to get kind of uh, your religious upbringing and, you know, the process sure. that brought you to where you are now. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was raised Catholic by parents who are pretty lukewarm about religious about religion in general. So uh, I would go to church like every Sunday, basically, until I got my first communion. And then they didn't really care anymore. So I didn't. And I sort of evolved as like a really math, mathy, sciencey, like sort of kid into being a new atheist for a little bit until I learned enough about philosophy to just be like, oh, wait, if, if God is transcendent, we don't know anything about that. Or like, if God exists or doesn't exist. So that's that. That's the answer to the question. And then I was basically done with it at that point. Um, until at some point, especially around like when the pandemic started, but like before like that a couple of years ago, I guess I found myself really struggling to understand the world and like reality and noticing a limit in my own thinking about like processes that involve like lots of people or like cultural changes, like on a very large scale or um, like long-term processes that span multiple generations like i was like it's hard for me to like observe phenomena and rationalize about them if they are that massive and i wonder if that's what religion and mythology are for so that was it was me kind of starting to do a, a mind act there just to say like maybe this will work because i do think about my own thinking quite a lot um and so that's when i started to dip back into it um and i also started <laughs> i guess going crazier and crazier <laughs> during the lockdown and during an extremely bad relationship mm -hmm. where so i was uh having one of the roughest times of my life and so i was also like trying to lean into religion for that it was like okay i know a lot of people find comfort in this like yeah didn't that worked for me and didn't have much success honestly i just enjoyed like adopting religious terms and how i started rationalizing or like thinking about cultural phenomena and also enjoying how it freaks people out a little bit to do that because i do like being a troll um <laughs> but so that was about it um and then that kind of bottomed out into the lowest period of my life where I had a, a really big mental breakdown where I had to move back in with my parents at an age that I consider it pr pretty embarrassing to do so because I just, I don't know, end of a relationship, like couldn't look, was just a wreck. Um, and then in a wreck in the middle of nowhere, very rural area where the only people I see are just my parents. Mm. Um, so I wasn't in a good state. And so the reason I called, I described myself as like embracing being the protagonist in a Lovecraft story was because the, the big changes like since then that have all happened fairly recently. 
are because I have found some weird book nobody's ever heard of, read it, and then had a massive like revelation from it. Um, so part of the show and so oh, here we go. I found this like book by like a Jewish philosopher called like the Absolute Collective, mm. and managed to hunt it down and found it for like thirty dollars, despite like nobody ever talking about it except. One of the only times it's mentioned anywhere that I could find was um, Henry Miller said it was one of his favorite books, <laughs> uh, which is kind of fascinating. So I read it, and as a person who has spent, has read a lot of philosophy and felt like very stuck in, or I guess it might help to say that, like, I also had found myself in these intervening years to be interested in philosophy and politics and those as the person i am i like getting into weirder and weirder forms of things um just as like almost compulsive contrarian and a person who always wants to dig right into like the deepest arcana of something at any time um, my politics got, or my philosophy just got extremely postmodern to mm -hmm. the point where yeah. I had felt like I had deconstructed just about everything I could think of. And to the point of a crisis where I was like, what is there, right? Like, how do I build something back up now? Um, kind of like what Descartes did, like, Right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D Descartes is on the mind. And I was, I did struggle a lot with Descartes and talking to, oh, this ties in nicely with how I started thinking about religion too, um, with struggling with like Descartes and in philosophy debates with friends about like getting over like solipsism or skepticism. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Like, how do I know there's a reality? And um, if and I could just I interject here for a second, I, and you know what, I want to say, I do think there's like a delay kind of between us. So we may run into weird uh, moments where we're both kind of trying to talk. Um, I don't know how to make that better. So if anyone knows how to run the software better, please let me know. Um, but yeah, so, yeah. so Descartes, just also, like for anyone listening, just so you know, like, I don't think all of my audience is like super philosophically minded. And so uh, if we're bringing up certain terms and whatnot, it, it would be nice to maybe explain what they are. And uh, so Descartes really? is uh, Descartes, the one who basically brought extreme skepticism into the world. Like, what can I know for sure? Yeah. Boiled it all down to, well... I know that if I'm thinking, I have to be something. And so, like, that's the one thing I know. And then, yeah, so it, I, I get what you're saying about solipsism, which is basically I right. could be the only existing entity. Everyone else around me is just part of my world or whatever. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that and... And I, I also dealt with that a little bit myself where like, you know, the solipsism hole and kind of the nihilism hole 
can really drag you down into it and just be like, well, I, I can't yep. know shit. Nothing matters. I'll yada yada. And yeah, it, it can end up being kind of a spiral. Um, but so I, I know that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to t- touch on um, it sounded like you're kind of talking about um, somewhat of a collective consciousness type idea where you're into this idea of people sharing certain experiences for whatever reason. And, you know, I was raised Mormon and I'll tell you one thing is they definitely do that. Like they all have that spirit feeling like that's a, a collective feeling that they all say they experience. Um, and I, I really, I think that this is a huge part of of life to be honest like the way societies works politics and everything it's like we're so we're so like wired to want to coagulate and like follow each other and agree on the same things and yeah so so I thought yeah. that was interesting um and uh, you have anything to say about that before I move on Oh definitely I mean I think that is a extremely important thing and that's sort of like in in addition to like myself feeling uh in dealing with like solipsism and nihilism like i felt like for the past decade it has been a big fight against nihilism like what is there besides nihilism yeah and that is a fight that is only intensified as time goes on especially in the past few years um because in addition to having like philosophical nihilism i started to feel like a sort of political nihilism that Mm. felt like it came from total impotence right which is just like how do i do anything how do i affect a change and so the reason that i would tie that back to what you're saying about like the community and shared experiences that most i would say most people i know seem to feel that way and that struck me as like oh how do like what is there to do to like try and like fix this right because right you know honestly for myself as well as for everyone around me right um and that is where i that had been connects directly to my thought about that if try to how to like make myself and the people around me hopefully eventually start to feel better is playing around with religion in the hopes of like seeing how that resonates with our minds. But yeah, I do think that like community is vital. I am a very social, very emotional person and anything I do, I want to share with those around. Like, yeah. that that feels like that core meaning of like you know i i had the how i got out of skepticism was just being like okay i need a fundamental principle and mine's going to be like i want to love everyone which is kind of corny but that is my most core thing that's a good that's a good foundation i think um but what you said about like feeling um basically like you can't do anything about the problems of society. What, what's a good word for that? Yeah. Basically, uh, hopeless or useless to like changing the way society operates or and stuff. Potent, and, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, that's exactly like how I was feeling 
And I, the reason I even started up this Discord and this channel and all that is because I was like, you know what? Something I can add is trying to talk to people, even if we disagree, like being very empathetic to people who I think have shitty, terrible ideas. Yeah. Um, because I'm yeah. somewhat of a determinist and I I recognize that people don't really choose their beliefs. And so that level of empathy is goes a long way i think um but we kind of yeah. mentioned po politics a little bit so i'm curious we don't really have to dive too deep but um first of all where you kind of f uh fit scientifically if you accept most of the modern theories or if you you know think the earth's flat and then as well like where you sit politically um yeah uh for science i I do, I, yeah, I, uh, I live in reality. I guess I'm trying to think of how to word this. Like, I, yeah. if there is an objection I have to, like, anything scientific, it is part of the general, like, uh, caution I have around everything where I believe right. that. I don't know how to access truth. And if you're learn learning like a scientific discovery, you have to take it with like the appropriate context and the grain of salt, right? Like just be, like if you're, I feel like anyone who's researched or like tried to figure out like, okay, how do I fix my diet? Like what's the right nutrition? You discover if you look at a bunch of different things that anyone can defend literally anything with yeah. like nutrition studies. So. There is like an element of caution, but like I believe that like global warming or like climate change is happening. The world's heating up yeah. and is round. Um, okay. And we revolve around the sun. Well, and real uh, quick, like, because you, you mentioned yeah. that, you know, falling into the hole of skepticism, but I, I will say I, I think skepticism is good. It's just when it turns into that yeah. extreme, like, solipsism that's that's when it goes bad so yeah i did read a book i really liked recently called um conspiracist manifesto that mm. like defended conspiracy style thinking just because it's with on the basis that the a lot of things that cause changes in the world like a lot of the big acting forces are conspiratorial um and like was trying to defend just like not dismissing things is just conspiracy right because it's weird a lot of the big conspiracies i know of do have like some kernel of truth in them that then spirals yeah. into something that becomes unmanageable and un off-putting to anyone outside of it um but, I think I think the problem uh, with conspiracies really is that there's always a way out. Like you can sit there and say, you know, well, this doesn't make sense, or like, you know, NASA's taking pictures of the Earth, right? But there's always a way. Yeah. Well, well, it's it's fake. It's CGI. NASA's lying to us. So even if you like bring facts to the table, there's just always a way out. Yeah. 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 That's a really good way to put it. Um, and I think recognizing that there's always a way out is huge. Um, <laughs> it's 
hard to talk about, especially when you're having discussions with people who then there's a bunch of good reasons to just dismiss something. And some of them are more obvious than others, um, where it's just like, oh, you dismiss an argument because of someone's profile picture versus you dismiss an argument because you're like, oh, well, that's that disagrees with my news source, which is, you know, this uh, uh, it's it's hosted on live. It's a it's a monthly show. He and he tells the truth and nobody else does. Um, can be harder to be like, well, how do you know he tells the truth? Or right. Yeah. More to dig into. Um, I forget. Uh, politically, I am also weird. I would say that it, people would probably regard me as a leftist. And I stopped using that term just because I stopped knowing what it meant. Yeah. Um, is how I would put it. Uh, though I extremely anarchist i was describing myself mm. as a, a post sieve until my friend came up with the, the term post hope which i liked so i i like the term post hope for politics it's just like i would like mm. for local communities to really care for each other and in a way that feels like really cornily kumbaya utopian i guess yeah. how i think about it but like local community work and just ideally getting as little hung up with politics as far as like politics of like the current world goes because i think a lot of it is just a sort of culture war spectacle to mm -hmm. prevent us from like actually doing meaningful things no. Well, and some leftists, some leftists would say that that's the capitalist conspiracy and capitalist agenda is to keep us, yeah, yeah. basically wedged and working like minimum wage, lots of labor, low, low uh, profit for ourselves and little labor, high profit for those running the corporations. So yeah. yeah, the culture ward, I think, is definitely designed to steer us away from labor movements and, like, looking into better economic yeah. systems. There is um, a to, – to prove the – to drive this point home, there is a uh, – man, there is an essay by Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, that I think is really good about this uh, called The System's Neatest Trick, where it is like, oh – you know, with for women's movements, and then you know you want gender equality. And now we can celebrate that by having like um, a horrible female CEO, right? So it is like assimilated one thing as an appeasement in a way that effectively changes nothing important about the system. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, and I guess what I mean by post hope then is while I agree totally with everything that you just said. I do, I think it's like, what are you going to do? I don't, I don't see how it happens <laughs> anymore. Right. Like it's impossible for me to see like what, aven what avenue of change there is to yeah. cause there to be a different economic system. And that is something I have argued with people a lot about. And well, it's happened in it's, other countries. 
Yeah, so it maybe maybe you're right that there's not a lot of hope for the US, but globally there yeah. could be hope um in other countries and maybe eventually they'll lead the charge for what uh a humane society looks like. Um so I almost put my hope more in like those Nordic countries than our own. Um Yeah. But yeah, I you know I we almost maybe should like schedule a round two and like specifically focus on politics. I think that would be really fun. Um, but I do want to yeah. get into like Gnosticism and like what that actually means and more specifically what you mean sure. by it. So um I I think to start us off here, I, I think I remember in our chats you saying something about um salvation basically coming through this connection with with the divine either that or i i read it when googling gnosticism um and so uh, do you resonate with that basically like that's where salvation comes in sure uh but also the the idea of what salvation is is non-trivial i think mm. um uh there is so to go back to this, which I realized I didn't like elaborate much on, like the absolute collective book. Um, like, so philosophically, like my own metaphysics at that point, or the way I thought about reality was just absolute, like, um, are you familiar with Spinoza? And that that's like my biggest, that's my biggest influence for my naturalistic yeah. uh, metaphysics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, th me too, um, at least for a while, um, and it still is, it still is huge and a very fundamental piece of the way I think about things. But I found that this book portrayed, created such a good, like, metaphysical argument in the way that I think is the only way that like an argument for like the existence of something like the divine outside of a Spinoza kind of context would work, which is just like, it vaguely points at like a God-shaped kind of hole. Mm. And it's just like pointing at it like, eh, eh. Um, mm. So it is, it, while I got over skepticism by just being like, okay, I assume it as like an axiom, that like there is a reality and right. I'm going to go do work in that reality. Right. Like me just losing myself in skepticism, like that's not constructive and I care about action and being constructive. Um, so just skip it. It's not worth it. But that leaves like a lot of questions and a lot of places just like, Oh, how exactly is this whole thing working? And so I do think you can see like these outlines of the transcendent of like the outside that we end up not being able to just accept access with like pure rationality. Um, and I view that pure rationality itself as more of like machines that you construct for analyzing the things around you and that are not ultimately able to like turn around and then explain reality it, it, it's not it can't be the beginning of an explanation of reality 
I guess, is how I think about it. Mm. Um, that reality is there and you're exploring it with rationality to an extent that cannot ever be complete. Does that make sense? I'm trying to word it properly. Um, uh, but it's quite free. It does, um, it, it, like, it does to a degree... But also yeah. your your views are like very abstract and it's cool. It's it's cool to hear. Um, I do think it's a little hard to to fully understand. But uh, maybe yeah. if I put it my own way, um, it it almost sounds like you like the divine to you is is the like chase or the search for it um as in Ooh. like yeah we can't actually land on the idea of it but rather we can continue to seek it out oh wow that's i didn't that never occurred to me to think about it like that in the i like i love that yeah. This is why discussions are awesome because we each yeah. like we hear what one person says, but we like in our brains think of it a different way, and then yeah. I think another way I could describe it, um, and this came from me having a really big mental breakdown that was you know having hallucinations, like time went out of order. And I spent like a weekend like that. And to try and get out of it, I just started drawing up like a cosmology of this mental state. And I came up with this term, the light cone in it, which I used the light cone as a term to describe like the world of science, rationality, technology, which is just like the grounded, re shared reality. And I thought of it as like, I had fallen outside of that. Um, and I was needed to get back into it. I needed time to go in order again. Um, yeah. And so I've continued to use that term that I got from the weekend I went insane to how, of how I think about the divine as just something outside of the light cone and figuring out the theoretically impossible task of like, how do we engage with it? So, <clears throat> um, I, I, I know you're pretty non-committal, but ultimately, you know, we're all just searching, I guess, and and you're you're in that boat as well. Um, but do you think, like, because you're you're using the word divine and stuff like that? So, so do you actually yeah. think there is like a a supernatural source of some sort? Um, you know, or or is just because well, let me just kind of lay down, I guess, briefly where I'm at. And uh, I, I follow similar axioms as you kind of things. I just have to assume yeah. just to get past solipsism. And I think most of us do. My num my first one is the cogito from Descartes. You know, I think therefore I am. I know yeah. that I am at least some sort of existence because you can't possibly think and not exist at the same time. Even if this is all an illusion, yeah. um, I'm still thinking. So start there. And then I think from there, it's safe to just assume the second axiom of like, we are, we are in a reality 
uh even if it looks different yeah. to us like we can observe it test it uh measure it certain ways um and so yeah from there basically i be, uh, the best way to describe me is not simply an atheist but a naturalist i cuz i do believe in like objective yeah. morality and purpose and things but i don't really believe mm -hmm. in god i think it simply can just be an eternal natural process um and nothing supernatural necessary totally. yeah um i'm curious you said objective morality and that is something i was curious about do you mean a sort of universal reality or morality uh um yeah, yeah to, so okay that that's interesting to me because partially because i guess of the philosophy endpoint i had found myself at i didn't see how you could get that really yeah. like having something truly universal without having got like a god sure espousing like a universal truth um and which tread you could talk about or i could answer the question yeah <laughs> well i was gonna say tread lightly because this is absolutely like my favorite topic is moral realism and stuff yeah. so you you might end and up just get me that. going yeah <laughs> But, um all right i can answer let me answer. yeah yeah let's or, focus on whatever. that so avoid the rabbit hole um <laughs> and say uh yeah it, it's kind of both i'm trying to figure out how to have both where mm. there is like the spinoza reality which is you know everything and everything that we're measuring with science and then building what's technology and that exists in there's a a uh, Kabbalistic, like Jewish Kabbalistic concept of Zimzum, which is withdrawal, um, where there's like a recess that God has made. Sorry, can you spell um, that for me? I just want to pull it up. Uh, Z-I-M-Z-U-M. -Z okay. Or T-Z-I-M-T-Z-U-M. Um, so with so within that you have the spinoza world and then it is there because of um it still is within god it is the the body of god so to speak and oh that's cool. then it almost yeah and it almost like kind of like a a weird george berkeley style like phenomenology where um you are uh, you have this like a vehicle god enabling like this perception of reality and engagement with reality because it's all him so i know other people it would be less when i want to if i'm having debates and people keep getting hung up on me using the word god i will like fall back to using the term monad mm. which can is more gnostic um and just more uh it's less spicy but it is just like the single origin point that expanded out into everything so okay uh, it is hard i guess it is by definition supernatural right because the spinoza world is like the natural world and that is existing right. within this reason <laughs> that where there's this withdrawal and that that is how i think about it i guess 
like that's the fundamental so this um, this uh zimzum idea is actually really cool i i've never heard of this yeah and i love it um, neither had i until i found out about it by finding a weird book <laughs> yeah it's like because uh, god basically if there is this if there is an eternal god who's omni everything that god would occupy all spaces like it would occupy all of reality that like reality would be god so so our creation then sort of comes from god removing um itself from that specific space in order for yeah yeah that's that's a cool idea yeah um i i do want to say too and, though with, oh, with yeah just with uh spinoza at least how i interpret interpret him um it it seems like no nothing supernatural is necessary basically everything is one substance right even if there is a yep. sort of immaterial thing consciousness and whatnot it still all is just this one substance um and i guess that's where i bring it into naturalism to be like yeah it, we're all just this one part of reality um I think a funny, this will be an unsatisfying answer, I think, but I'm going to say it because it's kind of funny, too. The way that Eric Goodkin, who wrote this book, would respond to that is just like, of course it's all in substance. God. Right? Um, but I know more about what you mean, where it's like, okay, if it's all one substance, we should be able to get at, like, the rest of God. And it doesn't seem like we... It, if there's the recess, then there's the rest that is, like, what you can't get to. And I guess, to me, this was, how should I say it? This was something to play with. Um, like, what he concludes is that he makes the argument that monotheism is the most scientific belief system, which you can... Uh, agree or disagree with, but the, his purpose behind it being specifically monotheism is that it is the simplest and therefore the most correct way of looking at the Simpson. And then the other book I found, which was just a lot wilder, was this one, Coal Essence by Tal Palamas, which is a also just a really crazy looking book um, that tied it back into uh, I ended up merging with the Eric Goodkin and being just like, okay, well, so it's it's monotheism, but you know, it's still kind of we're making guesses about the transcendent, so why not have like a lot of fun with it? Um, yeah. And with that, I pulled back into uh, I just started taking things from everywhere and building up a more chaotic metaphysics. Of what like this whole outside is um towards the end of man okay i'm trying to think of how to tie this all together here <laughs> the with the idea of playful religion of just like ways of rationalizing and making meaning for things around us with the focus of making things be constructive and like therapeutic and actionable um, so to speak about Gnosticism 
one of the core beliefs of it is in fact that like um the material world is just like a prison made by a um like an evil demiurge mm. and uh you know it doesn't matter we have to get beyond it we have to stop like preoccupation with like the physical world which is just suffering um and so i don't like that for the same reason that i don't like solipsism because i don't i don't think it it is good to have like these tenets of your faith that kind of like promote a lack of action or like an irrelevance of like action you could be doing like that feels like it collapses kind of into nihilism if you try and get practical with it so like by that example so it's just like okay forget it forget that part of gnosticism um can you and that's can you kind explain of what, I mean, what like a playful religion yeah sorry i know the oh, delay is bad <laughs> but um can you just yeah, explain you what a... something here Oh yeah, that's that's for later. Yeah, we don't need to open that rabbit hole yet. Oh. <laughs> Just in case we get to moral realism, I sent you all of my de oh, my I definitions see. for the theory. <laughs> so you have, um, so you have had this conversation before, I see. Oh, I've <laughs> I've thought a lot about moral realism. That's I spend a lot yeah. of my brain oh, energy okay. thinking about that. Yeah. Um and just so no, you know, makes, if in case yeah. we don't get to talking about it, I I'm very careful to tell people that I just believe in moral moral realism. Something like the theory of evolution, I accept as like a working theory, yeah. whereas moral realism theory is just something I believe and I think there's justification for it. So, um anyway, <laughs> to, to go back, um I guess can, yeah. To use the terms you just used really quickly, I would say that um, uh, the what I got like metaphysically and philo phil philosophically from the absolute collective is that I feel like I can get away with religion. That's that's the term mm. I use. So I started playing with it. Okay. Um, can you just explain to us what a demiurge is? What like, what that means? Sure. So, um, uh, this, this is Gnostic territory where, so you have the original more or less monadic God, um, Sophia. And by monad, I mean like point of origin, that like everything mm. comes out of the, like the first thing that God, except for maybe water. Some, in a lot of origin stories, water is there and then God shows up. And that leaves me with a lot of questions, but I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't yeah. think. Or I don't know enough about it. Um, and so uh, that that origin, Sophia created another being um, who is the Demiurge. And his name, uh, he's got a long name, but the name basically translates to, hey, come over here. Because she was like, hey, come over here. Let's Let's talk. And he was like, oh, that's my name. And then he just immediately went on a rampage like a sort of misbehaving kid. And while misbehaving, created physical reality. And it's just a whole lot of suffering for everyone, right? And it's something that we need to transcend and escape. 
is the how the the like stereotypical gnostic um maybe specifically uh i'm trying to remember the word like manifean gnostic way of viewing reality i also became kind of i guess a religion nerd <laughs> of sorts so i do i have it hasn't been a while but i've just been reading and learning a lot about it so i so try and keep on oh, yeah. manichaean and mandaean Gnosticism, I think, is the one that specifically finds itself opposed to physical reality in that sense. So this this demiurge that you're talking about, because when I did my brief, basically I read the Gnosticism Wikipedia and listened yeah. to like a video. That's my extent of Gnosticism. I haven't read any books or anything. Um, but one of the cooler things that I really liked about it is from the sounds of it, it seems like there is this like creator God, but there's also another entity that broke off and created our world specifically yeah. and is not That's necessarily the, the yeah. yeah, yeah. And which I, I think it's a cool idea because, you know, you think of a God like Yahweh who is the god of the Abrahamic religions, in the Old Testament, mm. this this god is wrathful, vengeful, jealous, yeah. angry. And so it it, it kind of makes sense that this is the kind of evil god, I guess, in some way that broke yeah. away from the real creator god. Yeah, um, I read a book. Uh, I got into the habit of just like skimming through academic theology books like i just want to see like what are people doing in theology departments and looked at the books that were coming out because this is the sort of thing i do for fun and i found an amazing book that i really loved called um a transparent illusion which talks about like a this one like episode in judaism where four people make it to, okay there's the seven heavens and so four guys make it to the fourth one and then three of them get flicked off. They mess it up all at the last moment. And then one guy gets in and he got in because he like knew a guy or something like that. Um, but if the book focuses on one of the people and went into seventh heaven and or sixth heaven and said the word water, just said, looked around, was like water. And God was like, not here. You don't like absolutely not. And then shot like a million swords at him and sent him to hell. <laughs> And so the the book is just about like what are we even supposed to learn from this? <laughs> and which is an excellent question. Um and but it just goes through all of the different possible interpretations of like why why exactly did God get mad at this? And yeah. it ended up having a good explanation at the end. If people want me to spoil the ending, but I do think there's like the better point of just like you have this thing that like around that nobody knows the answer for. Like you have this episode of just God, Yahweh, I should say, being like a dick and <laughs> someone who's like pious enough to make it that far. Like that's not nobody. That's not just Joe six pack. That's the guy who made it to six heaven. And you just said the word water and you sent him to eternal suffering. It's like, and you don't know why. You don't know why that was bad. And <laughs> so it is like the Yahweh God leaves 
a lot to be desired. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it was just scary. It's like, what is it? How do you react to this being the creator? Like, what are you supposed to do? Well, and that's the that's the origin of a lot of atheists is reading yeah. about their supposed loving God and being like, this this isn't adding up for me. This doesn't feel yeah. like love to me. And and yeah. so yeah, I mean, there's that old joke that's like the best book to the the atheist manual of creating an atheist is the Bible. So just read the full yeah. Bible and you'll probably become an atheist. But for real, yeah, like I I agree with that. Um, I agree with uh that all of it, and that's why um when I was starting to get back into Christianity, just I also should say I the reason I'm dating like a Christian angle with it is because I randomly decided it just so I didn't I don't know maybe like I've been vegan for eight years and the reason I went vegan originally was just because I wanted more rules right you wanted more like what? I just do that sometimes rules rules like thing okay. rules I had to obey like oh. conduct in my own life okay and I stuck with it so at one point i randomly decided like no it's christianity and so it's like yeah i'm gonna keep going down that but then i decided being the person i am i wanted it to be it's just like i oh this is this is canon like this is all the books i'm supposed to read i'm gonna go read everything but those mm -hmm. um because I love heresy, and I think the process of like making heresy and engaging <laughs> with heresy is the really important thing. Well, in the, the early Gnostics, there's a whole conversation. Yo, yeah, they were. They, I mean, they were like uh, executed and stuff, right? Like they were all heretics yeah. according to the Catholic Church. Um, you know what? You would actually yeah. probably be interested, and in, maybe you already have it. But have you heard of the Sefer? It's like C E C E P H A R. I, I think. know. I know, Sefer. like uh, Sefer um, oh, Razio. Like I know Sefer is like book, right? So there are a uh, number of Sefers. I think there's but like I think Sefer Razio. Is there's like, specifically a a Bible that's called Sefer, and it's it includes hmm. all of the books that the early christians took out of the canon so it has Ooh. all like yeah because they made the canon back oh. in the day right and and they kicked out all these different books yo so that's probably How did something I not know about this i got i while i was looking for something like the thing you just showed me this was one of the best ones i found that was called like the other bible that's just like a big pile mm. of uh the apocrypha and heresy um but yeah it's the good it's a good point because like i see that there's a canon and my reaction being the person i am is just like uh why like what don't yeah. you want me to read yeah and that's and exactly more to go read that than the canon this is like where my skepticism always comes in to anyone being dogmatic yeah. even if it's science like to say that this yeah. must be the way to follow and like dogmatism to me is like the greatest evil we have and and canon is the same thing it's like oh this is these are the only books you can read 
Um, I think that you you would so in my in my little moral system, I actually think veganism is the morally superior position. So congrats to you on that one. Um <laughs> yeah, um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, and that's a long time to yeah, go too. Sure, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I just did it and I like having the extra rules so much that it's been one of the only things I can think of that I have done like so unquestioningly for that mm. long of time. Maybe the only thing. Yeah. Um because I don't know, it just slotted right into my brain when I started doing it. So go figure. Yeah. So um, I, I I had a, a question. I want to say Oh, go ahead and finish. Oh, as a as a to do devil's uh something's advocate, devil's <laughs> advocate, yeah. Um I do think quite a lot about heresy versus orthodoxy because I was in a context where um when trying to talk about religion with people on the internet in the context I was insisting in. It was like 99% like Orthodox people, like people who would specify I am Orthodox than something, Orthodox Catholic or just Orthodox in some sense. And then my buddies, the people on my team, which were two schizophrenic people <laughs> that I would engage with and enjoy talking with them a lot because I was like, okay, I feel like we make sense to each other. And then like, the orthodox people feel like kind of aliens and just the way my brain works i know that i would not be able to do an orthodox religion or genuinely ever believe in it because if someone just tells me something and i'm supposed to believe it then i can't like it's impossible however there was like i read a really interesting book called uh, the two antichrists that was about um L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, and Jack Parsons, who was a uh, um, a very important like rocket engineer, um, and so they were both involved in Thelema, which is Aleister Crowley's religion in the 1950s. And so it was just talking about their interactions with each other, um, which is a really strange kind of jarring to think about overlap of personalities and there's a moment in the book towards the end where it contrasts thelema versus scientology and it says like well the reason that there's so many more scientologists than thelemites is because scientology is like the ultimate orthodoxy and so it like sucks people into it where thelema is in its way largely about heresy and like making your own meanings about things um apparently i don't know a ton about it this is what the book said and as such people couldn't engage with it as well and that confused me because i could i felt like i myself am the opposite but i don't know if people at large are the opposite so i guess if there was an argument to be made for orthodoxy it would be for someone who thinks just like if you if you are of the belief, which I am not and don't want to be, that people in general need to be corralled in a healthy direction, I think that's where orthodoxy comes from. But I don't know. 
I really don't know. Yeah. Huh. Well, I um, I had a, a question written out for you kind of about different gods and entities like Krishna, uh, Yahweh, you know, et cetera. All the all, like gods of paganism, Freya, stuff like that. And um, well, OK, so number one, the original question, I just wanted to see what you thought about these entities that people believe in. If if you think it's simply just mythology and attempting to explain that source, or if you do think that maybe they're actual manifestations of the source and people are just interpreting it in a different way. So not to overwhelm you, but that's that's number one. No. And then number two, I'm curious why specifically Jesus is the entity that you choose to focus on rather than any of these other options uh hold on i was just jotting that down for myself um so the first one for different gods it's funny uh so to step back for one second that will make this response easier for me um i did start to engage i i took in a lot of spiritist practice because it felt like a very good font of creativity. And by that, I mean, like, focusing on, like, there being a spirit that is connected to the divine, which is something that falls out of the idea of Zimzum. Um, mm-hmm. So you have some connection to, like, a spirit world and can engage with that however you end up engaging with it. And then a way that a lot of people engage with it is that they feel that there are different entities in there. So if you ever feel like um, you're listening to something or something is talking with you or you are talking back with it in whatever phenomenological way that that happens, then a lot of people will parse this like, that is me having communication with my God or, or my deity of choice. Um, yeah. Though me and one of my friends, I was excited that someone else was also thinking this way. So that it's like, oh, but that leaves the possibility of like, you think you're talking with God, but it's someone pretending to be God. It's some like spirit out there that is acting like God. It's like, yeah, uh, of course I'm Yahweh, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I do think that this has like, if you wanted to bring that back to reality, I think a lot of this has equivalence there, which is like going to like a mega church or like following Joel Austin is just like <laughs> that could be a good example of the Antichrist, I think, right? Yeah. If you have like this sort of religious fervor and then right. it ends up being negated rather than like being used to a healthy purpose. So it is just like, oh, sure, you're talking to like Yahweh or Krishna, I don't know a ton about how other deities work. Or so you could be talking with anything, and that anything may be good and constructive in helping humanity, or it may be bad, no matter who it is. Right? It is ultimately has I guess this is very postmodern. I get to like step I can't help it. It's who I am at heart. But when you're talking with God, like, I kind of wanted 
the word God to have the same inherent relative nature as like when you say mom, right? Like when you say mom, people know you're talking about your mom, where when you say God, you're inherently talking about your own relationship to this thing, this ineffable thing, or many things, or like con artist thing that lives in some corner of your mind. Mm. Um, and then for Jesus, I honestly I don't think that much about I am like the worst I I think I say Christian because that's it's, maybe it's just a troll in some sense mm. but I do use like a lot of Christian imagery to like explain things or like make little parallels i guess I, I have a very warped microwave version of christianity though i okay. do think jesus it's jesus is a adds like a really fascinating flavor to div like thinking about your religion because of how like um brutal it is right like your whole thing being just like your symbol is hanging like a corpse around and you're thinking about like the scraps of like a, a dying body. Um, and that is the core. This is like a very blood and bones core of your faith, like focusing on um, blood and the transmutation of blood into wine and blood at times being the thing, the medium through which, like, the spirit connects to the body for some people is very interesting to me. Wow, so it's, the... It's really metal, yeah. That's super interesting because you you always expect someone who's like, oh, yeah, like, I believe in Jesus or, like, I've even heard atheists, so, like, quote-unquote atheist Christians, which doesn't really make sense, but... The, yeah. the they say it because it's basically like Jesus as the ultimate humanist. The idea of Jesus that some of us were taught was just the ultimate human being, uh, you know, carrying after the downtrodden, all all that type of stuff, accepting oh, the horrors, yeah. and so it's very interesting that the reason you <laughs> yeah. are attached to it is because of the the blood magic basically that's super interesting um i mean the reason i'm attached to it is because i randomly decided to be attached to it but mm. that is like where my mind goes when i think about <laughs> engaging with it i guess because i was reading um i learned about the strangest sect uh, of christianity i've ever heard of which is saying something called uh martinism uh and this st started with the translator's introduction uh that was um talking about how so the strangest thing about martinism is that it was like a very heretical form of christianity that harbored like a secret society that was very influenced by masonry um and they mm -hmm. were they were it was like a training program for elite exorcists and apparently it is commonly regarded as or people would talk about it as like a 
like a blood cult was the term the translator used. Right. And he was defending how it wasn't a blood cult. And so that has been on my mind. <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, I don't think a lot of Christians realize how much their religion revolves around these blood magic ritual and if magic is an offensive yeah. term i don't mean it to be offensive oh. to just call something magic but uh yeah no. but they don't i don't taken, think they like I realize said, I, I, oh i was gonna say i was gonna use the term a cult christian for myself so i am not offended by using the term because a cult is, is pretty like magic. magic right yeah, yeah okay yeah, but I just, I don't think they realize because, you know, literally we have a curse on our, on our genes because of Adam and Eve. Ever since the fall, humans have a curse and we needed a blood sacrifice yeah. of a perfect human to, to magically lift the curse. Like, it's pretty wild. Have you ever seen the movie Mother? by darren aronofsky i haven't um i i'm i like that movie because i feel like that's a fun movie to go in knowing as little as possible about um but what i will say is that it is the most intense movie i've ever seen and i'm a person who seeks out intensity in art um and it certainly has a moment that really made me think about the death of Christ in the most visceral way I ever have. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so if you want, like, an experiential blast of, like, the horror of reality and... Oh, I, I have actually a book upstairs that um, I need to read by Wilhelm Reich, who is the uh, uh, psychologist who came up with the idea of orgone energy, which is just some like life force energy that you sit in a box or you can build a box that like focuses like this basic, like sexual life energy. But he has a book, I don't know a ton about it, called The, the Murder of Christ that I got because it's like, wow, that looks really hardcore. I'm curious what this is that focuses on like, what does it mean that we had the perfect human around and then we 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 just goddamn killed him we couldn't stand him we just murdered the guy yeah and that seems like that bodes pretty poorly for humanity um, <laughs> yeah true all right so yeah i also don't like the idea of original sin it's because that also feels like for a similar reason, like, I I don't know what you gain out of viewing yourself as, like, inherently fallen. Yeah. Um, for, like, no reason for something you didn't even do, right? It's just like, great, I'm born, I'm already cursed. And yeah. so to answer your question, that was maybe the first question you asked me, which was about salvation. Um, I do think salvation is much more like how do we stop our world from being horrible mm. than it is about like, how do I get into heaven? That's like the thing that I care. It's about like saving more. the actual world, not, not making yeah. it to some. I think that kingdom. that is. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that is what, like, uh, Eric Goodkind here phrased it in a way I really liked that it's just like, this is Eden. It's still Eden. But how do we get back to Eden, right? How, how, how do we, we get back world, like, to flowing rivers? Place? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm and glad that you... seemed constructive and good. So... <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that you don't like the idea of original sin because, uh, to me, that's actually one of the most harmful things that comes out yeah. of Abrahamic religions. Um, because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I I can attest to it as a child. I felt broken, and you know, obviously, there's a process. You're supposed to repent and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, just teaching children that they are inherently broken and need an outside source to save them from that, I, I think it's very harmful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it feels like uh, perhaps like actually like gaslighting, right? Like <laughs> <Yeah>. abuse. <laughs> right. In some sense, right? Like if you're just like, you are at very least like, really imprinting something on a developing mind um and uh catholicism can be held to that too which is like i do have like a study group of friends who are also doing this weird religious thing where we are just being really playful with it and so one thing that i helped that that has ended up helping me kind of remarkably a lot in you know making my mental state healthier like recovering after like this big low point in my life yeah. was um this idea of like spiritual combat or <laughs> unseen warfare which is funny is a goofy term but it really clicked with me which was um this idea of viewing like these negative thoughts like these uh intrusive thoughts about like depression or violence or anxiety as like literally like attacking spirits that you need to just like knock away like hit them with your your sword or what have you and just that as a basic concept was very easy to fit into my brain which is like i'm at i'm at spiritual combat yeah um as opposed to other processes i've done therapeutically like dbt where it's just like oh i'm feeling anxious i need to remember you know, my headspace or, oh, I need to grab my index cards that I wrote all my coping mechanisms on. Just Can like, I no, just I got a sword say, and I got it, like, like yeah. th- this right here is actually somewhere where I align very closely with you. Um, I love the idea of thinking about my own mental issues as metaphorical yeah. demons because it's like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's like a way to go through it in your mind to how can I expel these demons out of me, even though I literally don't believe they're actual demons at all. But it, it does. It helps yeah. you like kind of move past that and remove the demons, you know? Yeah. And actually build the habit of removing them. Yes. Because it's so like exactly. easy to wallow or like building habits can be quite hard. So just having it just like I'm fighting is so easy to bring up. Yeah. Um, and so this is a, like a way of thinking that was really adopted by Eastern Orthodox. And so I was reading a bit more about it. Um, it has the terms like 
Logosmoy and Nos, but whatever. When I was reading into it, it was talking about the seven deadly sins. Mm, And the reason it considered those to be seven deadly sins in Eastern Orthodox was because those are ways of thinking that are especially like intrusive and attacking and yeah. can, like really take over your way of thinking right just like lust and envy and wrath it's so easy for me to get caught up in anger and when i read that i was like whoa that's why they're the seven deadly sins yeah where because being raised catholic though my understanding that i had of those seven deadly sins were just like oh god really hates those and so <laughs> Like to compare and contrast those two, like the at least the way that this one wiki page presented Eastern Orthodox to think about them is that like, oh, that's actually like therapeutic. Like that could help you, you know, yeah. get better control over your, you know, your mind state, your your brain weather. Where the Catholic one is just like more shame, right? And it's like God totally hates unconstructive. Yeah, and yeah, that's, just, this is another area, like, uh, again, yeah. I I love the idea of the seven deadly sins because it's not, not because I'm worried that God hates them and I'm going to go to hell for right. being lustful or whatever it is, but because I have noticed in my personal life things like gluttony yeah. making my life shitty, <laughs> like a living hell. And I feel much better when I'm not letting these addictive things and thoughts control my life. And so, yeah, it's. Yeah. And yeah, after a really bad breakup, I had a lot of wrath that I like couldn't figure uh, that. I just was like, oh, my God, I how do I stop thinking about this? Like my brain just keeps going to this over and over and over again. And then. It only finally found myself getting away from it when I started thinking in this way. And so, hey, if nothing else, that made a lot of difference. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the reasons I was originally trying to, like, engage with religion, too, was after reading a bit of uh, Jung, thinking about religion as maybe, like, a good way to uh, engage my, with my subconscious and then also from the the playful religion book it does talk about um uh neurology or like cognitive science and uh like the nature of consciousness and su- suggesting in a way that i found compelling that uh, like the dual hemispheres like the left and right side of the brain that the side that is engaged with like myth making or like general narratives and finding meaning are is like under engaged um and that's may or may i'm sure people could have like endless scientific debates over whether that is actually true but i at least found it compelling enough that i wanted to try messing with it and once this other book uh with eric goodkind gave me like metaphysical permission to mess with it i found myself able to i felt like i'd hacked my brain into like oh i kind of believe in god now so i can explore this this is another tool i can use to like play with my mental state 
Yeah. So it is kind of like sober psychonautics in a sense. And I'm using like religious beliefs into myth making to like play as like with a my psychology thing. Like it's yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this Therapy. is yeah. you know, I, I really appreciate this conversation because I I don't think I realized until now why I'm so drawn to religious texts, even though I'm an atheist and don't believe in them. Yeah. I I think there's a reason they were useful to the evolution of hum yeah. humanity and society because there are little mm. nuggets of good ideas in there, and so it yeah it's it's almost like I I am taking a secular approach to these religious texts, and like you're saying, using them in a psychology way, um, and. You know, I'm sorry to kind of cut this part short, but I do feel like I I have to I have to guide this a little a little down the path because we have gone over an hour now. Um Okay. Yeah. And, and again, I appreciate you being here. Um I, I do just want to say sure. anyone anyone listening out there, um I and you as well. You said you had uh, uh, some friends that you like to do study groups and stuff with. Like, my biggest goal here is to build this Discord community. Like, more than anything, I just want a big community of people who, like, severely disagree or I mean, minorly disagree. Yeah. And we can just come here and hash mm -hmm. it out. And so, like, please invite your friends or anyone I... you know. Um, so yeah, and, and anyone out I love there talking with people I disagree with, yeah, same more that's, than people I agree with. That's exactly, yeah. I hesitate bringing atheists on because I'm like, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, like I'm not, I don't want to sit here <laughs> yeah. and be an echo chamber, like, yeah. So, anyway, anyone listening, uh, just remember that, like, more than anything, I just want to grow this community. So, um, <clears throat> moving forward. Uh, the choice is yours, red pill or blue pill. We can either wrap it up, call it a day, or uh, I'll I'll let you take the opportunity to ask me questions or challenge me, push me on anything, uh, whatever might interest you in that regard. Um, uh, I feel like the thing I want to know the most about. Just I want to hear more about the experience growing up Mormon because okay. I don't know I haven't I knew like some Jehovah's Witnesses growing up. I don't know if that's comparable at all or I just did not grow up around Mormons and yeah. didn't encounter many in my life. But this might also be something you have talked about already endlessly. Um, um I haven't talked a whole lot about it. I did do I did like a two part uh, episode where I kind of gave a life monologue and kind of gave my background and upbringing and stuff like that. But uh, honestly, yeah, I don't I don't feel like people ask me about it that much. So, yeah, I haven't talked because, about it. Yeah. Really. One thing I do love hearing about, like, I also just find religion in and of itself extremely interesting. Yeah, um, me too. So I enjoy hearing people talk about it because you're an ex-Mormon and an atheist now. So it didn't work for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and so it's just curious, like, I do feel like I have this, it's a term that 
feels so cynical to use uh religious engineering almost it's just like i want to try and put together like what's a really healthy religion it's like i feel like i have like hacked my brain into believing in god so i want to play with it which i don't know how many people are in that same position <laughs> it is mm. not it is at least something i have never heard another person say um so it's it's fun and it's interesting to me. Well, it's interesting to ask what a healthy religion would be because I think every religion out there has the opportunity yeah. of being healthy. I mean, even yeah, even in the Middle East where Sharia law is implemented like, you know, they don't drink, they like raise their families. True. You know, like so de depending on what you're meaning by like healthy and whatnot, I any of them can be good yeah. or bad for someone's health. Um That's and it is point. interesting yeah. it's interesting to see like which ones fail and which one like like you said, like obviously it didn't work for me. And it's like why why does it fail for some people and why does it succeed massively for some people and you know they yeah. obviously super religious people are going to say well because you just wanted a life of sin and blah 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 and it's just like yeah <laughs> did uh, i hey, really who doesn't everyone wants a life of sin right you know well, and what's interesting <laughs> um, so for what me is do? like <laughs> that might have somewhat started out when i was being when i was like in junior high I stopped going to church because I was just like, fuck this. I want to rebel against everything. Blah. So originally that might yeah. be true, but now it's like, it's the farthest thing from true because I am actively working to better myself and not be yeah. gluttonous and lustful and wrathful. Like I am yeah. as an atheist can like, I don't want to live in quote sin. <laughs> Even though I think sin is yeah. just a dumb thing, but but yeah, it's yeah. Sin feels outdated, yeah. right? Or it's just like the there there is some good idea there around like like to follow the notion of like the seven deadly sins with like Eastern Orthodox. It does feel like that is there can be a healthy idea of that that is just not what people I see people using, right? Yeah. So. What specifically about Mormonism? Like, do you just want a general idea of what they believe know. or kind of like how they're raised? Um, <laughs> well, sorry, I don't know if you can hear the dog barking. Um, I can't actually. <laughs> okay, good, good. Uh, I, I have a general notion of like the origins of Mormonism and then like the movement out to utah i i have some historical idea i'm curious just about like i guess the experience of growing up in it to okay yeah the extent that it is because i do have some mental image of like an almost idyllic mental image of mormonism that i really don't think is correct um of just like maybe like what you were talking about with charlie just like very important like family dynamics yeah and like and no drinking positivity it, yeah it's, yeah potentially healthy but i don't know how true that is yeah it's actually pretty interesting like there's certain elements that really are similar to islam in the sense of like 
the early Mormons and the fundamentals now had more than one wife. And in Islam, you can have up to four wives. Uh, drinking is yeah. prohibited in both Islam and Mormonism. Uh, patriarchy and family values is, you know, well, that's that's pretty key to all Abrahamic religions. But but it is interesting to see the similarities there. Um, and I actually think you would probably enjoy the theology uh, of Mormonism. I don't yeah. know if you've read the Book of Mormon, but you should because it, it's pretty interesting. It. Yeah. I agree. Um, and to be fair, uh, yeah, what's up? Oh, as a quick thing to just add, yeah, another reason I'm interested that I just brought to mind is that uh, Mormonism feels like one of two, like, actually new religions that is, like, successful. Like, the other one I can think of is, um, uh, wow, I suddenly can't remember this, the name of the Sheik. Yeah, like the Sheik religion. I think mm. it's also fairly new. And my mental yeah. image of peak people was just like they're killing it. Yeah. Um basically. Well, so I I like want to tell you so much about it because you like, okay, first off, I think that the theology of Mormonism is actually way more just and fair than your other classical Abrahamic religions who say like follow God, believe in Jesus or go to hell. And like, that's it basically. Yeah. Whereas Mormonism, there are three kingdoms of heaven. Even if you are the worst and don't accept Jesus and you live in sin, you still afterward go to uh, the lowest kingdom of heaven, which is massively better than earth. So, it's like a way more compassionate punishment. It's like, yeah, you didn't make it to the yeah. top kingdom, but you still get a better life. Like he love it actually feels like a loving God somewhat. Um, so there's that. Yeah. And then the growing up aspect, um, you know, when I was younger and I was I was first in Salt Lake, which is a very much, you know, obviously bigger cities are always much more tolerant and accepting of people and then like kind of rural areas. Um, so honestly, the ward I was in, the community, like that's what I loved the most about it. I genuinely felt like yeah. the community had my back. They loved me. Like, you know, I had leaders that cared about me and took me on outings and all this type of stuff. So it was cool. in that way, yeah. a, actually a good experience. Um, I then later moved to a more rural area of the state and that ward was just night and day. I felt much more shame and I was also becoming a teenager. So, you know, you're going yeah. through different things then, but I, I felt like this bubble of judgment and I hated it. I, I absolutely hated it. And that started... Yeah. What ultimately tipped it for me was the only tool I was taught to use when I'm suffering and pain and crying because I'm depressed and ashamed of myself. The only tool I was taught was to get on your knees and pray, ask for help and guidance from your heavenly father. And so what really tipped it for yeah. me was me being on my knees, bawling, like help me yeah, and never receiving answers. And so that's where 
the Mormon teachings failed yeah. me as a kid. Yeah, that sounds like slack that is supposed to be picked up by the community or something, mm -hmm. right? Because that was what I was thinking about with, like, I feel like the, like an ideal or a better religion which should be like a toolkit of like how to help you when you're like, I don't know, down in that way. I Yeah, yeah. I get it. I very much yeah. get it. And it is what all, yeah. Well, and one more part I wanted to tell you about that I actually think you would find very fascinating. And another reason you need sure. to read the Book of Mormon. And by the way, you need to read the whole combo. There's the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price. So make sure it has all three. Because in the Doctrine and Covenants, it talks a lot about the early Mormons in, in the U.S., and what's fascinating to me is they were essentially communists. They literally moved out to their own areas, started local compounds, and there's, in the doctrine, it says, we will run the storehouse, everyone will give their share to the storehouse, everyone will be fed an equal amount. They're literally communists. It's it's pretty cool. And And, but like progressive communists too because i remember or in some sense at least where like one thing that i did look into because i found it fascinating was uh the deseret language and that did feel like um like that that was at least trying to be this it, cognitive advancement of like oh this will help everyone learn and you know be more functional it'll like empower people uh which is cool, at least in intention. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're, they were progressive in the sense of religious freedom. They, you know... Yeah. <laughs> no one was super progressive <laughs> yeah, back I, then, right? Everyone still hated, yes. like, natives and blacks, and, like, it was all bad. <laughs> <laughs> but... But they were progressive in the sense of, like, the U.S. is supposed to be religious freedom. Like, what are these Puritans, uh, you know, they were getting killed. They tarred and feathered and shit. They were getting persecuted everywhere they went. Uh, sorry, I got distracted because I went That's to okay. look up the Book of Mormon. And this is a cheap book. Uh, this pleases me. Um, this I can get it in hardcover for $4. And that's what I like to hear. Um, of the Book of Mormon? So I was just oh. like taken aback. Yeah. Dude, just invite how... invite a missionary over. They'll give you one for free. Oh, yo. And I would <laughs> love to talk to a missionary probably, right? Yeah. Like I feel like this, like a pervert of some sort where it's just like, oh, I'm like the freakiest like christian i can imagine <laughs> um and now i get to i don't know talk about like john d and angelic magic with like a mormon missionary um <laughs> oh i i i don't know why that i randomly like got excited to talk about this but you kind of mentioned uh jehovah's witnesses earlier um and so oh, this sure. A super interesting thing about both of these religions, um, and 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 Jesus in general, 
is there are different versions of Jesus. So you have the Trinity, right? Yeah. That's kind of like the classical version, the, the triune God. And Mormons, in their theology, it still is a Trinity, but they are literally three separate beings. Rather than like one being with three separate persons, they are three individual beings, the Holy Ghost, the Son, and the Father. In fact, Joseph Smith supposedly was visited by the Son and the Father, like two separate individuals. And then the Jehovah's Witness version I, I just recently learned um, of Jesus is that it actually was Archangel Michael who was sent as an angel into the flesh of jesus and yeah so it's pretty cool damn okay yeah well i do think it's the trinity is fascinating because you get that was the whole major split between like catholicism and eastern orthodox was like what the relationship precisely is between the father and the holy spirit right which is fascinating to me um oh oh and the the thing that caused like canonization in the first place with like the niacine creed was because people got so worked up in rome about like the idea that some guy stood a like some preacher was like hey if we have a father and a son then the father in order to be a father brings the son into existence so there's a little bit of time. There's got to be a period of time where there isn't both a father and a son. And yeah. that made it, yeah. everyone got so worked up about that, that Rome stopped. So Caesar was like, you need to figure <laughs> your shit out and figure out a doctrinal answer to that so people go back to their jobs. Um, so to, to them to be three different people, I I want to hear about what the Holy Spirit's like. The other two I can imagine. I want to learn about like an independent Holy Spirit. So I guess I got to read this. Yeah. Well, and, you know, just like the Bible, a lot of the Book of Mormon, the ancient stories are a bit tough, like kind of boring and like, you know, <laughs> this happened like, oh, they went yeah. to war again and they came back. They believed in God again. Like, you know, that same old it's kind of a similar story as the Jews of the Old Testament. Um, do you know that? Do you know that the Book of Mormon took place in South America? Basically, like the Native Americans were supposedly the ones who wrote the the golden plates down and whatnot. I I knew uh I guess I didn't know it was South America. I knew it was in the the New World, so to speak. Yeah. I guess. Um but, and maybe it was central and north. Uh, yeah, it could have been just the Americas in general. Yeah, and I feel like I know a bunch of other random bits that I'm trying to remember. Remember, and I'm like, I'm I'm just looking at the different scriptures, and there is the one that has Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, and the Holy Bible itself. Oh, um, it's the quad. You found the quad. And speaking of, yeah, the different canonizations that exist are also really interesting to me. Uh, the That it varies, and then there's, like, some Ethiopian church that is just, like, has long, has, like, canonized 
way more than everyone else in a way that seems exciting and fun you know like constantly adding new yeah i guess it's not new it's probably old. oh well, i think i'm getting <laughs> talked well, out a little bit yeah yeah kind of and we we can wrap it up here because yeah i am feeling a little similar but if you already have the King James Bible, I I would suggest getting just. Oh, the... I don't. I haven't read the Bible. You haven't read the Bible, and at this point, nope. Uh, I've read bits of it. At this point, it's one of those things that I'm also like, it's really funny to me that I haven't read the Bible. I probably should. <laughs> so you want to uh, keep that? I know. Troll? I know. I know the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I got too distracted reading like really deep cut heresy, like uh. Thunder Perfect Mind and uh, um, Treatise on the Eighth and Ninth and stuff like that. So I kind of just skip my way through. <laughs> oh, that that's pretty uh, funny. I feel like you have to keep it up now, just just for the sense of right? trolling. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like who needs the Bible? I've got like all of I've got like a pile of heretical creation stories next to me that I can work with. <laughs> um, but well. <clears throat> yeah i've read like sermon on the mount some of the the bigger ones there but yeah. not it in its entirety at all um well uh yeah i i feel like i just hit that brain fry wall that you were just talking about uh in yeah. fact i think this is the longest discussion i've i've had so far so it's been oh, really dang. fun yeah and thank you absolutely yeah I, thank you for doing this i do yeah i like i had been seeking more people to just talk with religion about because i just find it such an interesting topic that i appreciate the opportunity yeah and please share stuff in the discord like i will for the most part i will always respond to anyone who's sending things in the discord um we're slowly building it it's getting bigger and slowly more people are actually adding things and not just me the whole time talking. So, um, sure. yeah, again, like if you have friends who, you know, would love to come and engage even just like with you and I can add stuff. Um, and on top of that, I really would like to have another episode with you about strictly society and politics and kind of progressing and, or best ways to do that yeah the the way i'd summarize it is like for me i've been trying to i feel like my politics have been trying to figure out anything that's not nihilism as a big yeah. constantly evolving project that is currently taken this form. this is what i've been reduced to it is uh religious engineering that i think i still see and like the occult in general i still see i can convince myself of the possibility of potential but yes yeah yeah cool well any any last words anything else before we close it off um uh, just that i'm i'm thinking of some weird stuff i can put into the religion chat because i have a lot of <laughs> yeah weird please. religious fractures please do <laughs> oh and yeah last thing real quick <clears throat> i don't i don't know if you care about social media or anything that you're doing but uh, i'll gladly put any links in the description if if you want me to ah 
Nah, I'm like, I left all of social media basically because I don't know, it bummed me out a lot. Mm -hmm. So I get that. Took a break, and I don't regret it really. Well, I'm I'm excited to have you around in the Discord, and you know, I think I'm talking. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking to a Christian, not next Sunday, but the following, and um. <sighs> I actually really enjoy when people come around and get in the audience because towards the end, I'll actually bring people up to ask the guest questions and stuff. So if you're ever around and you sure. see, see the stages going, uh, yeah, come hop in. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'd be down to do that for sure. Um, cause having a place where I can hear more people talk about it will also just be interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. All right. Appreciate you coming. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Um, All right. And then have a good rest of your night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you take care.